What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast this is coming at you on the day that the new york knicks will play a basketball game can't even believe those words that is that is um those are the happiest words that i've said in a while and i am cognizant of the fact that i am uttering them about a team that is picked to finish last but listen we we care not for such intricacies we are just here for the bouncing ball hopefully a ball being bounced by someone other than Julius Randle, surrounded by several defenders. Um, on this episode, um, Nick's Film School himself, Jeffrey Ballone, joins me, and we, you know, have our usual uh, fireside chat about uh, all things Nick's. It was a good conversation. Uh, one note, the, the audio quality is fine, but um, we actually, as, as only me and JB could, had like um, five different attempts to get this thing recorded because of, uh, let's just say, uh, technical issues. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, it feels like somebody pieced together parts of multiple conversations. That's because that's what happened. Um, thank the Internet up in um, Manchester, Connecticut. Um and and possibly my um, forgetting to record our Zoom one time. Um, anyway, so uh, but yeah, we had a lot of fun talking, and uh, it's a it's a great conversation, and you'll enjoy it. Um, the other thing is uh, just a quick uh, public service announcement. As many of you know, after Nick games, I hop on uh, the old Periscope app, which filters through my my YouTube, and I give a little post game. Um, I am going to do that again this year for every post game. So you could watch that right after the game ends. However, in addition to that, the plan should, again, technology cooperate and we could uh, figure out how to make this happen. And I think we can. Uh, those periscopes will be up on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. Not terribly long, I don't think, um, after the game itself. So, I, I don't know, the next morning or whereabouts. Uh, so, and shout out to Andrew Claudio. He has, hey, let, me, let, me, let me just vamp for two seconds on Andrew Claudio. Andrew Claudio reached out to me like a year ago and was like, hey, I'm not producing, he was producing another show. He's like, I'm not producing that show anymore. If you're in need of a producer, you know, I'm around. And I was surprised because he's super talented and I didn't think he wanted to waste his time with this. And, um, he's come in over the last year and absolutely revolutionized everything that we do. 
Um, this is now what I am proud to call a professional podcast. We have a YouTube channel with all kinds of great stuff on it. More great stuff coming. Um, and all of that is because of Andrew. So shout out to my producer, Andrew Claudio. He, he really is amazing. What can I say except you're welcome? Anything else? Oh, subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter. This was, I, I think, a particularly good week of newsletters. And, and starting next week, there will be actual basketball to analyze. So if you want to subscribe to that and you are not yet subscribed, um, go to my Twitter page, JC Macri NBA, and you could click on the Substack link. Uh, one last thing. Injuries are a part of sports. If a Nick, like, um, my goodness, I was going to call him Doc Rivers. No, that's his dad. If a Nick, like Austin Rivers, gets hurt, they typically recover. And he will, because it's a sore groin. You can recover from a sore groin. But when one of us is injured because of someone else's negligence, it can be a life-changing event. And when that happens to you, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call that legal team whenever you want. You don't want to be a file on a shelf. And most of all, you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives their clients their personal cell phone numbers 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time. And they have a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court and winning. And this is the key. While prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you can learn more about Faruqi and Faruqi by going to nylegalteam.com. Again, that is nylegalteam.com to go and find out all about Faruqi and Faruqi uh, and everything they can offer. Last one, go to nylegalteam.com. And on that note... My conversation to prepare you for the first preseason Knicks game of the year with Jeffrey Ballone. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, Knicks Film School himself, Jeffrey Ballone, who has showed up to our Zoom room wearing a Knicks shirt, whereas I have showed up to our Zoom room wearing the only piece of Mets clothing I really is in my rotation right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, my my Piazza Hall of Fame uh, shirt for when him and Griffey. Yes, yeah, sim- symbolic here of uh, you know me starting the Mets briefing and me promoting the Knicks Film School newsletter while you promote the Mets briefing, right? Yes, exactly. I think this is uh, this is good. So I have two things that I want to get out of the way before we turn to actual discussion. Hey, come say hi to JB. No, you're wearing an, in my. So Dolores is here uh, for those listening at home. My wife is here. My very pregnant wife. Just show them what you're wearing, at least. Oh, come on. You're wearing a Nick sweatshirt. The fans will love it. Really. She's, of course, very embarrassed. She's very pregnant and very embarrassed. Um, uh, two pieces of business. One, um, do you think, when is the last time do you think that Knicks fans and Mets fans have the, been this, the, the happiness quotient has been this high? And I, I, I say that understanding the Knicks are picked to finish last this year, but I feel like there are there are good vibes. And obviously with the Mets, I'm trying to think when's the last time both fan bases were feeling like this. Okay. We're, fe- we're feeling that way. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess with the Knicks, I'm, I'm wondering how far you're stretching that. But I mean, 1999 it's a bit of a stretch. 99 was a good year. I mean, when you think about like for me, my fandom, it's like when I – Everyone looks usually at those teenage years, middle school, teenage years, when, you know, the, the prime years of your fandom when you're a kid. Yeah. And like for me, that was mid-90s to late 90s. And um, 
if the top of the peak for a fan is winning a world championship is get is changing owners from an ownership that pretty much all the fans hated and felt like held them back to one that it appears in a pretty, I mean, there's a luxury tax, but pretty much in the non-cap league is the wealthiest owner in sports and looks like he's going to spend like, is that almost bigger than winning a championship because you're getting saying, a new owner. Yeah. Cause you're, you're basically saying again, we don't know. We got to see what Steve Cohen can do right now. It all sounds great. And he could be terrible. He could just have a lot of money, but be a terrible owner. But the point is if the Mets are suddenly now perennial contenders, you could argue that moment of changing owners is actually bigger than just one year winning a random championship because he's pretty much guaranteeing you the Mets are going to spend and try to be competitive every single year versus just like in 2015, if the Mets had somehow won the World Series under the Wilpons, yes, it would have been great, but then you're stuck with the Wilpons and they would have sucked very quickly again afterwards like they did. Um, I think if the Knicks got a new owner... Man, I don't even know what the feeling would be in the fan base. It's, it's interesting, too, because there's like, I don't know what the segment of the fan base is that's like not pro Dolan, but gets very upset anytime anyone tries to pin all the Knicks problems on Dolan, yeah. um, which I get. I, I get that. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I get that sentiment. But like, I don't know. Is it like 10 percent, 15, 20 percent, something like that? But like if they got a new owner, I feel like there would be. I think there would be like parade, parades in the street, like similar to what we've seen with Cohen. Yeah, there, there'd be a lot of excitement. I do think the difference with the salary cap, ironically, Dolan would probably be a really good baseball owner because he would spend a lot of money. Um, where in basketball with the salary cap, he can't do the one thing he's best at doing. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's just how it is. But in terms of, yeah, the last time that both fan bases were this happy, I think we were saying it, it might have been like the late 90s just because yeah. the Knicks – you know, the Mets have had moments. They've obviously been good since then, but the Knicks really haven't. They had that one year, you know, 2013. Um, but, you know, the Mets weren't good then. So it, it really was, I guess, like 99 that you could say, you know, because I'm not going to count these years where like the Knicks like showed like some semblance in like 2004 or five area when the Mets then started yeah. to come back up. Right. That's but, being generous um, semblance. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is right. 99. But again, we're saying like hope because the Knicks are still going to be bad record wise. Yeah, um, they are. And uh, it, it, it it's well, before we move on to the Knicks, do you think you could have written a Mets um, newsletter, which I, I'll say again, Mets briefing subscribe. If you are not subscribed, it is amazing. Um, do you think you could have written one with the Wilpon still as owner? Or do you think Cohen buying the team like was what really spurred you on to do this? Yeah, no, that, that definitely helps it now. But I will say that, you know, Nick Film School was the first thing that I made that got popular. But my first blogging ever was a blog called Over the White Stone. And it oh was... Oh, God, you told me about that once, I think. Yeah, yeah it was about the Mets. And, and one of my best friends, Jeff Young, was, I think, the only person that actually read it. Like, I would spend all this time on it. And he's not even a Mets fan. He's a big uh, UVA uh, college sport fan. And... Literally, I'd spent all this time writing it. He was like the only one. And once in a while, Emily, you know, but that was, you know, about the Mets because growing up with my dad, going to games and getting stuck in traffic on the Whitestone. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could have, I did write about him before, but not in this type of capacity. So it is fun. And it's fun to have a team that, you know, it seems like uh, it's going to be competitive again with Cohen. Yeah. Um, 
No, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to them being competitive. I'm looking forward to the Knicks being competitive. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. So I, I'm trying to think where we should start on the eve of the preseason. We, we could get into, yeah, let's get into the lineup thing because you started to talk about it before on one of our previous attempts to get the <laughs> podcast off the air. Um, the pending or, or, or burbling, or I don't know what the word is, um, scuttlebutt that we may see Mitchell Robinson not in the starting lineup and, and we may see Nerlens Noel. I'm, I don't even know what it is. I feel like I just, I, I, I just need to start off the season not like mad about something. Right. I've already accepted if this is what we see, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I don't care. Just make you know, sure Mitchell Robinson gets 25 minutes a game. But you feel like people yeah. are going to be really mad about this. I, I, yeah, I think you, you were asking me uh, before. It's like, well, what's the thing this year that could get people, you know, upset? And I feel like it seems like that, you know, the way they use Mitch early on, because I, I don't think the way the lineups look on game one are going to be the same as game 25. That's the other thing about being a, you're, they're a young team and they're a team that has a lot of interchangeable pieces up and down the lineup. And for that reason, you know, and you wrote it today, rotation roulette in the newsletter. Yeah. It's like, there are a lot of different combinations. And I think people need to have some patience with that and realize this does not mean Tibbs hates Mitch if he doesn't start him and play him 35 minutes in game one or even preseason game one, because people will complain tomorrow if they don't see the lineups that they want him to be. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. But I do think um, I do think that will be kind of the, the immediate debate, because if you look at the roster and you think, we all know Tibbs wants to win games, but we also think he obviously understands the big picture. But so, but to me, the idea that he would play Noel, and as you did in the newsletter, you showed all the things that he does, which is basically everything we want Mitch to do that he kind of already does. He doesn't yeah. have quite the same shot blocking uh, uh, ceiling that we think Mitch does. Well, I don't know. It just makes sense to me that Tibbs would say, yeah, I'm going to play that guy who already does these things um, a, a good share of minutes. And, and the question is, does that take too many minutes from Mitch than what fans want? Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's a question of like, what is worth getting upset over, right? Like, is it worth getting upset over, for instance, the starting lineup? Like if one guy's playing, I could see, okay. If one guy's playing 30 plus minutes and another guy is playing yeah. under 15 minutes, that's a significant difference. And I could see that being worth getting upset over. But I think the thing that like, so here's the interesting question that I keep coming back to with this team, right? Is the, the specifically this, this year's version of this team. If a guy is not playing more minutes, if a guy is not starting, if a guy is out of the rotation, then what, this is going to sound silly, but why are people upset? What is the reason people are mad? Well, there's two different answers. If they're not, well, no, I guess if they're not starting, I think what you're getting at is like, who cares? Just look at how many minutes they play. Why are you getting upset that they have to be starting? But if it's a question of the minute distribution, then it's a matter of the belief that the best way to develop your young players is to play them more minutes. And if Mitch is considered someone that people think 
he is a, I won't even say like a future star, but let's just say a future, very good starter. Yeah. Then they're going to be upset if his minutes are sacrificed to a perceived veteran, even though Noel's only 26 years old. Yeah. I wish he was on more than a one-year deal. That's one thing I would say, because if he's on more than a one-year deal, then you could start to make the argument of, well, geez, if they figure something out with him, He's only 26 and he can be part of your window now. But with the one-year deal, it's kind of like, well, if he figures something out, you're just competing with everyone else to re-sign him next year. Like you don't really gain that much extra with his non-bird rights. doesn't yeah. mean you can't bring him back, but the point is, it's to me, I guess what I'm saying is with Noel, it's less veteran versus kid. It's more person who's not perceived as part of your young core that we all fell in love with and we're dating and you know having googly eyes about and we want it to work with that person we don't want the match.com person to just drop in even if that person like ends out being like the best that like we were talking about mitch the best mitch might ever become is basically what noel is like that that is yeah. an outcome that could happen but i guess i don't so the contract thing is interesting and that's part of what i wrote about because i think the non-bird rights are are Fascinating because you could get Noel. I th what did I? I did the math. I was sitting there with my calculator on my phone as I was finishing up that article. I think you could sign him for up to like four years, thirty-one million dollars, thirty-two million, something in, in that vicinity, um, which I think would be a, a nice, fair number for him, a very fair number for him actually. Um, and it's, I think it's interesting because you Mitch is coming up on being restricted, so it's like I'm not sure. Mitch is any more of a safe because if if Mitch wants a lot of money, then is, but he's it, restricted if the Met, uh, the Mets see now this happens. I'm right. Yeah, teams. If the Knicks choose to make him so because yes. they have another team option. So they could essentially say for two years, you're going to make them in. And, and then that's that's the value you provide to us is you provide value because you're making less than, you know, around two million dollars a year. Rather than make them restricted and having to even worry about that next year, they could just say, no, we're just going to play it out. And then when you become a free agent, we'll have your full bird oh, rights goodness. and we'll decide, you know, at that rate, if we, if we want to keep you or not, they, that would could, be, they could do that. That would be fascinating if they did that, I guess. But even so, if with that as another option, they really have three options. Resign Mitch next summer, make, yep. make, make, uh, take or, uh, have the team option and pay him $2 million for the year after this year or mm -hmm. sign Noel. It's like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a little bit of a different situation in terms of like, Oh, why are you giving minutes to this veteran who clearly is not going to be part? Right. That's of it. That's it. He could be part of it. But the other thing too, with Mitch, I guess is the reason you would make him restricted is your idea is by paying him early, you hope you get a discount on your long-term deal with him. So if you give him the big payday next year, he might say, oh, okay, I'll take $15 million per year because I'm getting $15 million in one year rather than only $2 million, right? Versus if you yeah. wait and he does blossom into a star, it, it costs you more. But, but no, I, so I guess the point is it's not – I think people already are probably listening like, so what, what the hell? How are you saying you're already giving up on Mitch? It's not about giving up on Mitch. It's just kind of explaining why this is a different situation than playing Taj Gibson over him. Yeah. Um, or even, or even like Reggie Bullock last year over Kevin Knox. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess what I'm, what I, the, this it's con it's kind of complicated because the, and it relates to, so you took the question in a different way than I intended. The reason I asked the question is like, if you're upset at who's getting time, that means you either don't trust the coach that he knows what he's doing in terms of playing the better guy, which I think were more fair accusations with Fisdale, who there could be some serious valid, you know, um, questions about his level of competence as a head coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's really as valid. Now we're all in agreement that Tibbs, like for all his faults, the guy knows what he's doing in terms of like playing guys who deserve to play. Or so either you, you think that, which I don't think that's valid, or you think that he should not be playing the guy who deserves to play. And that's kind of where I'm starting to be like, okay, so let's say X player doesn't get time or doesn't start or whatever. Like, why are we getting upset about it? We're getting upset about it essentially because we think that a guy who has not earned the time is, 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 getting is not getting the time which i don't know how valid that is right but it's because the last few several years knicks fans have been programmed in or shouldn't i shouldn't say have been programmed they've experienced having guys who were clearly just not part of the bigger picture take minutes and it just seemed nonsensical like what what are we gaining out of this we already know what this player is there's nothing new we're going to learn. He's still not even helping us win games. And yet we're playing this him over a rookie who we have a lot to learn about and we want to develop. And I think that's why I took the question, you know, the way I took it is because to me, with this roster, what's a little unique about it than other years is there aren't those, there aren't as many of those cases where there's like, oh my God, if this guy plays over this guy, it is that nonsensical trade-off. And I think that that's kind of what we're both coming to that same conclusion is if Frank at this point can't outplay Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton, it's not because one guy's were veterans and the other guys aren't, and we're all banging our heads against the wall. It's because he just then isn't good enough if he can't beat those guys out. It's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's yes. Um, And I think you could say the same about Kevin Knox. Um, they've kind of fallen to the same class. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I don't know what's happened to me in the last like year or two. Maybe I'm just, maybe I, I think about this team too much. Maybe I just, maybe I'm tired <laughs> of, no, maybe I'm tired. Honestly, maybe I'm just tired of being like, not angry. I'm never angry, tired of being perturbed, um, whatever it is, but it's something because like, I just don't have the energy anymore to get like, man, I just kind of want them to make responsible decisions. And if they make those responsible decisions, I either trust the coach or I don't. And right now I trust the coach and I want to choose right now to continue trying to trust the coach. Um, And I don't want to have to like, (laughs) I don't want it to be game one or game five or game 10 and me questioning like, Oh my God, does this guy know what he's doing? Because I think, I think it is a reasonable stance to be like Tom Thibodeau knows how to run a basketball team. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to do this. And I don't think his decision-making should be pegged as, Oh, he's trying to win two extra games or three extra games. He's in year one of a contract. He's had a five-year contract. So like, I, I just, if he thinks it's for the betterment of the long-term benefit right uh, uh, or uh, and of the organization i'm inclined to be believe him right now 
Um, yeah, I guess what it is, is in some ways we're saying as fans, we need to sort of practice what we're preaching in the sense of if we want the team to be patient yeah. with developing players, you know, the fans got to be a little patient in terms of how things like lineups and rotations work, especially coming into this odd season, right? Where they haven't played in 275 days. There's a bunch of new guys on the team. There's it's a deep roster where it's not so obvious, like how the rotation is going to look. Even if you, you know, exclude the whole debate about young guys versus older guys, just even amongst the young guys who could be pieces on the team, there are debates over who deserves to play. So there's so much up in the air that you have to give it time to sort of evolve. And you can make the case that you actually need them to play different lineups so you can learn about it. I mean, yeah, I, you know, um, again, this is me writing about the two teams, but the, the Mets just signed Trevor May, this new bullpen guy who used to pick throws Minnesota. hard. Yes. There you go. You <laughs> read the newsletter. But he was talking about his slider, how he started using his slider last year and how the, the coaching staff basically told him, look, we're in a position where we feel confident, you know, where we are, in his standings from the sense of just start using it like in games, even if you don't have full trust, cause we rather get like, have you get in the rhythm yeah. and, and we didn't have a normal spring training and all this stuff. So you just need to use it. And then he, by doing that, he got better with it. And the point is it's the same thing here where there might be situations that don't make complete sense, but you have to just kind of allow it to happen so you can learn, Oh, how does Mitch perform in this type of lineup versus this one? Like, I'm not saying change it every night, but you, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, and I'm trying like the only thing, the only thing, again, it, it's, it, that's the other thing with, with the Knicks is they're always starting over. So it's like, well, don't, you can't blame this regime from like what the last regime did. Like Leon Rose, his only decisions that he's made so far have been the free agency ones and this draft. Right. Um, and, and Tibbs and, and Tibbs, obviously. So like, you know, if Obi Toppin was pl- like, you know, came out and, and could only average like 10 minutes a game this season, not that I think that'll happen, but just for argument's sake. Right. Um, if that happened, I just don't see like that's indefensible. Right. Because then wh- whether it's Tibbs to blame or Leon Rose to blame or whoever, to, like someone here now today is to blame because that guy, you drafted the oldest guy in the lottery. Like you, you drafted him to play and contribute, you know, more or less right away. Um, I don't know. I think I'm just, I think I'm just being more, more forgiving than, than I have been in years past. What is one specific thing that you are legitimately excited about? Um, as we start this preseason, um, topping, you know, to me, it's like, this is where, you know, we're, we're talking about on take, you know, three of us trying to get this to work, but it's like <laughs> the role we've kind of taken as fans who quote cover the team. Yeah. You sometimes lose that excitement because you're trying to break down everything. And to me, like trying to learn players from the draft and, you know, I just spent so much time reading about the things not to like about Toppin from a lot of people that I'm like, all right, I kind of just want to now just see him play and get excited about. He still is, you know, a top rookie that's playing for the Knicks and we know he can do special things on offense and it will be just fun to watch. That's the part, again, that people just lose sight on. Yes, we can sit here and wax poetic about his pick and roll defense and what he's going to be able to do. And it's just like, you know what? 
we haven't seen basketball in nine months. I just want to see this guy dunk on a, on a few people. And I want to see like the flashes of Amari that people say he can have and just have some fun with it. That That's what I'm excited about. I think he is. So like I wrote my like most important questions uh, of the, of the season or for the franchise, I guess that will be answered this season. Um, and like, you know, number one was like, how have they figured it out? Um, and another, the number two was like, how the hell are they going to score? Because I do think that's important. But my top player related question was with Toppin because I don't know. I, I, I haven't asked this on, on Twitter and I feel like I want to ask this as a poll. Um, but I, I think Toppin for me has a higher ceiling now than Barrett. And I don't know. Is that a hot take? I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's kind of how I feel. And I feel like, you know, Barrett came out last year. He played whatever he played, 50 some odd games, 60. Yeah. Cause he missed like nine or 10. So he played a bunch of games. Um, the question now is like, can he do anything to help him live up to the being the number three pick in the draft? Maybe, right. maybe not. We'll see. Um, but the notion that like he is going to be I, I like that's the part that I don't see. I don't see him being this like otherworldly franchise centerpiece thing. Like that hope for me still kind of exists for Toppin. Guy hasn't played a game yet, but <laughs> yeah, it still right. exists for Toppin. Whereas I feel like that's what I'm I'm most excited to see him too, because I feel like we could be sitting here like we were with, you know, we're not allowed to talk about him anymore, but with Porzingis yeah, after a month, right? right? We watched that dude right. for literally a couple weeks. Was, and we were like, yeah, the, the rookie, yeah. Uh, yeah, summer league, yeah. And we, well, summer league, and then it translated to the season two. Yep. But he was, it wasn't like he was putting up a ton of points, but it was obvious. So I want, I want Obi to make it obvious. Um, well, and, and that's the thing I love, by the way, and why sometimes spending so much time on the on the draft prospect stuff. I do have a hard time prioritizing. As you know, I don't do a lot of that. And part of it is because I see these, like people will spend their entire life breaking down these prospects and have all these scouting reports. And again, this just might be my biased view of it, but it's like, and then within a month of them playing, sometimes we literally realize like things that are just, we didn't know. Cause you didn't yeah. know how it reacted in an NBA environment. Like, you know, this was a great one. I know he's a little different because not everyone had exposure to him, but it was like all this stuff that was being, you know, all the scouting reports. And then he came over and it was like, it was just like obvious so quick that he had it. And I'm just thinking, how is it this, this obvious? And I feel like that does happen. So yeah, we would, it would be nice to be pleasantly surprised at top end. Um, but I, I think what, you know, to your point, I think, the people who, who do know, you know, they, they aren't saying he's going to be, you know, a, a complete bust. They're just saying like, there are these concerns on defense, but no one would be surprised if he turned into a star offensive player. Yeah. And nowadays, especially that's fine. <laughs> you can be that and get and do a lot with it. If you have the right players around him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, it, and again, I think it feels like that's the type of thing like we could watch. And again, we we've, we've been there and done that with like the Knox summer league experience, right. Yeah, Where we got yeah. too excited too quick. So I, you know, nobody should make too much of whatever it is that we see in the first preseason game or the, all of the preseason or whatever, but I'm excited to see him. Um, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm excited to see Dennis Smith jr. I just, 
I was I was watching some some stuff of him from his rookie year. I I don't know, man. I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but I want to see what he brings to the table. <laughs> I never thought I would be this guy. I have I have turned every every stance I have ever had on its head because again, maybe it's just that's what nine months of that basketball will do to you. I think that's yeah. that's what it is. No, I mean, again, I think it, it makes. And, and uh, I'll tell my my uh, podcast co-host over at Strickland, this is where Schwinn should just c- cover his ears, right? But it's just <laughs> like, look, Dennis Smith Jr., there is a universe where Dennis Smith Jr. can provide value for this team, playing a role of, you know, especially on this team where, you know, you're talking Alfred Payton and him are really your two, like, pure lead guards. And I'm going to upset Frank fans by saying that, but everyone knows I'm a big Frank fan. The point is Frank can be successful without being the lead guard. We all know that is true. And he said it Dennis, today when he was asked about someone asked him, what, what positions are you going to play? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to play both guard spots. Yeah, exactly. Dennis Smith Jr. He is successful in one role. And on this team, he has a chance to play that role. And I think when you're talking about, you know, Jeff Van Gundy talks about this all the time. You hear him in telecasts. It's when a person knows their role and then owns it and excels on it. That's when you start like putting something together with your players. And I think with Tibbs, he might be able to do that with Dennis Smith Jr. And that is different than saying like, oh, I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to turn into, you know, this next, this all-star and all this. It's like, no, no, don't go that far. It's just saying on this team, There is a, he can play a role without really impacting anyone most Nick fans would care about. Because like I said, Frank can still find minutes off the ball and nobody really cares about Alfred Payton. Um, (laughs) He can find a role where he is a positive contributor to the team and you look at him a little different. I do agree from that standpoint. I, um, not to, not to spoil uh, the Friday's newsletter, but I, I, Man, I think Frank will get. T- I think Frank may get time in the preseason because it, it seems like Austin Rivers is not going to play. Right. Um, but I really, I spent a lot of time. Like, you know, when you know you can't sleep at night because you're because well, you're one of like eight insane people who will understand this because you just <laughs> you just keep thinking about like lineup this like things and like different combinations and whatnot. Like this is what kept me up last night, and I was like thinking about like okay. What are the things that need what that like all of the different machinations of this team and this lineup and the rotations and the whole thing? I just, I if everybody's healthy and it's it's a two it's two part thing. If everybody's healthy and people are playing up to reasonable expectations, so mm-hmm. for me, for Dennis Smith Jr., that means he looks like his rookie year version of himself, maybe a little bit better. And like, you know, Austin Rivers is Austin Rivers and like Alec Burks is Alec Burks. Like that's, if all those guys do those things, I just, I don't know how, how Frank is going to see time if everybody's healthy. And I just, I don't see it. I don't know how. Well, well, I guess what what it's coming down to is if you're playing Peyton and Dennis Smith Jr. at the one, and then it's basically like you're saying, when everyone's healthy, Rivers and Alec Burks, because if you're playing RJ at the three, I'm, I'm, um, I think they're going to play. It, so it, it could be hard for, for Frank to find time amongst that group. I think they're going to play RJ at the two. Um, and I think Burks is going to be at the two 
or sorry, I think RJ is going to be at the two. I think Rivers is going to back him up. And I think uh, Burks is going to be at the backup three. And I think they're going to start Knox. That's, that's, that's to, again, to spoil my Friday newsletter. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, um, but I am uh, excited uh, to see what happens. And uh, it's here. It has been a long time coming, um, but it is here. And I just, I, I, I want to get started. I, that's all it is. I want to get started. Um, all right. This is, this is a short episode because we, we, we had, a, we had a many do-overs, but um, yes. before, before we get out of here, um, I, I, let's, let's do this. Let's fast forward to May. When's the season end in May? Um, I don't think they've released the second half, so we don't really officially well, probably ends in May. But that makes sense. What is your what is your dream? What is your dream scenario? It, it, you know, it comes down to this because in all this stuff we talk about, and I felt like talking to um, John Schmelk. Uh, he was on Pod Strickland with us, and and we sort of teased this out, talking out loud about like cap space and what it's used for, this and that. And we all kind of came to the same thing. Until you have a young player on your roster who you think is like a legit player, like he is going to be a multiple all-star for you, in this league, you kind of have nothing. Because then you have to now go out and get one. So maybe you're either trading for one or you're going to get one in cap space. Knicks fans are tired of talking about cap space and talking about trades that they never make. And not saying they never make meaning like they want them to make them, but just meaning like they're always rumored in these big deals, but we know like they, they're usually not the one, they're not the one that ends up with the player, but that's all fine. And we can all talk about patience, but you don't, if you, if you get to the end of this year and it is clear that RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, none of these guys are taking that step forward. That's a, that's a problem. And you're hoping you're surprised like we we're talking about with Toppin, but until I want to get to May and just say, okay, I feel good that someone of this group, whether it's RJ on a rebound, or I shouldn't even say on a rebound because that, that's yeah. unfair about his year. Well, so I'll just say RJ on a, on a, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> RJ, <laughs> I think RJ it's the title a, of a movie. <laughs> yes. RJ on a step forward or it's top in surprise and everyone, you need that. And that's what needs to happen. I mean, I just think people, it's like with the hard James Harden stuff going on right now. It's like, you just look across the league. We all know this. It's the NBA until you get one of those top players on your team, either you drafted them or you went and got them. You really have nothing. And the Knicks finally have kept their draft picks. They finally haven't traded the picks. And then when they made the picks other than Perzingis, they have kept them on the roster we now need those one of those players or hopefully more than one of those players to prove to be worth something. And that's where I want to be in May. Just, I don't care about the record. Just tell me. I just want us all to be like, I can't believe we were all low on Obi Toppin. Like, it, 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 we all love him. I just want something like that to happen by May. I'm with you. Um, someone needs to pop. Um, there's, three, there's, three, there's three paths to happiness. One is what you just said. Someone needs to pop. Two is they get the number one pick in the draft. Um, and I guess that may not happen in May. We'll see when that happens. Right. Um, or maybe like 
maybe Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley or one. I know you don't even know who the guys are probably. I got um, two of them now. Or 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 uh, Jalen Green, who's the G, one of the G League guys. Like one of those guys has a. Um, I was about to say a Morant-esque rise, but Morant rose from like 23rd in the preseason rankings to second. So it wouldn't be that. But like establish himself as like a future, like a Cade level guy, whatever. They need to get a pick that's high enough to end up, whatever, whether it's one, two, three. Um, that's number two. And three, they come out and shock the world and are like in the playoff race right to the end. I don't even care if it's a race for the 10th seed, whatever. They're like really in it until the very end playing whoever the hell Tibbs decides to play, but they are, they are like feisty and like, you know, I'm trying to think of like similar teams like Hornacek Suns team, or I know you'll appreciate this one. Talk about an old school one, Doc Rivers, Orlando magic team that had like, <laughs> there you go. who was that? Some, uh, there was an Armstrong, something arm, Daryl Armstrong. Uh, <laughs> Was Daryl Armstrong? I think that's right. I think it was Daryl Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking Nick Anderson at first, but that wasn't the Doc Rivers team. That was way. No, 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 that was even older. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like that Magic team, who was like you know again feisty, like some kind of. Well, funny enough, the the I thought that where place you were going to go is the Memphis Grizzlies team with Fizdale. (laughs) Like, yeah, but they were they they had had a lineage of being good. They had some veteran, but they did have that feisty. That was sort of what he. Yeah, that's true. They did have that feistiness to them where it was like they, you know, they would get turnovers and turn them into points and, you know, whatever. But no, I get what you're saying. And a lot of Knicks fans, see, maybe that's a good thing to end too. I'll ask you a question. Are you upset? And it sounds like the answer is no. If they end up being that, the, the dreaded in the middle where they finish ninth, some ungodly way, which would be largely outperforming their expectations, but it would take them out of the lottery. Um, would you be upset with that because it takes them out of the lottery? If this team finished with the 21st best record in the league, that's what you're saying, right? Right. I don't, I don't see how anyone could be upset about that. Well, and, and I'm glad you said that because that, that's the point is that Everyone says the Knicks, oh, they, if they end in the middle, you, what's that matter? That's it. It's like you end in the middle with this roster because that means your young players had to be really, really good. It, it's, it would be almost impossible. It would be almost impossible to end up there without significant positive winning contributions from at least three young guys, exactly. I want to say. Exactly. So that's why I, I, that is one narrative this year. I want to push aside to people is there is no more, no man's land. The no man's land is actually like paradise Island for the Knicks, because that means that, like you said, three of the young guys were so good that they couldn't help themselves, but exceed expectations by like 10 wins. Um, yeah, I just, so lots of paths to happiness. Will we get any of them? (laughs) I don't know. Of the three that I mentioned, we win like 30. How many, how many games? Would we, uh, so we win, let's say we win 30 games. 30, we go 30 and 42. That's path, path three. Path two is they get the number one pick. Path one is um, Obi or RJ or Knox or Mitch or whoever like pops as like a future all NBA player. Yeah. What do you think is the most likely path? I mean, you'd have to say it's number one pick just because they're most likely to be 
they have the best odds to land a top pick. I don't even say number one pick, but like a top three or four pick. I mean, they're supposed to be the worst team. And if that's the case, your odds are you're going to finish with the top three or four pick. Um, but, you know, the, the, la- the least odds is that they end up with the ninth seed. So I would say it's they just end up with 20 wins and now they have a top three pick by the probability. Or RJ, I'm going to say RJ or Toppin. I mean, those are the two I think that obviously offer the most potential to pop. I think Toppin pops. Toppin pops. How about that? Toppin pops. I think Toppin pops. And I bet here's one more. I'll end on this. I haven't talked about this guy much, but I think Kevin Knox is good. I think, let me rephrase that. I think Kevin Knox is good compared to what he's been. That wouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good place to end it. Um, so uh, <laughs> we're probably going to end up cobbling together different pieces of recordings. So just in case anybody missed it earlier, can you tell everybody where they could find you, Jeffrey Balone, your writing three days a week? That's right. Yeah. So you can Google probably just Mets briefing and finding find it. Otherwise, Mets briefing Substack, and you will definitely find it. Um, but yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, doing a Mets newsletter. And then obviously, you know where to find us with the Knicks stuff. I just hold on. I'm doing it right now. I just Googled Mets briefing and it is the first thing that comes up. Oh, there you go. So there you go. There you go. Okay. This is good. So yeah, Google Mets briefing. When does the, the wow talk about it. this is when does the baseball season start? Oh, well, I mean, you know, mid-February, you're doing pitchers and catchers under normal. So it's back to normal. There's no alternate. There's no like offset from like this past crazy year or whatever. Not that they've discussed yet. No, no. Okay. All right. So I I want to make sure I wasn't completely uh, out of of the blow. All right. Um, Everybody go, go subscribe to Mets Briefing and um, uh, I don't need to promote you. You're JB. And uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast. We will be back with you um, with, uh, Oh yeah. We should probably say what's going on. So um, I'm going to do a periscope tonight after the game. So uh, on Twitter, that'll be available. And I th- I'm pretty sure that's going to be up on YouTube shortly thereafter. And uh, there will be a podcast out on Monday morning, recapping two count them two. Knicks basketball games. We have that to look forward to. Thank you for listening to another episode. Good evening.